is not your mama's Christian podcast. Wait, drum roll? Yeah, welcome everybody to Not Your Mama's Christian Podcast, the Christian Podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously. I'm your host, Shane, the percussion one and the rhythm one in the, out of the two of us here with my brother, Eric. Here's Johnny. Now that, now, that is definitely not yours. All right, then where is it from? It's from The Shining, and it's also, isn't it Johnny Carson? Is that what you would do? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. It was originally Johnny Carson. Yeah, but... John, but but in the shining is when a lot of people yeah, like yeah, a lot yeah. more people I guess a lot of people really listen to Johnny Carson but uh, or what would watch Johnny Carson but even now like when you yeah, when yeah. you hear that people think of the shining first that's a really scary movie terrifying <laughs> it's <is a> terrifying <laughs> movie I don't like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh you said you're the percussionist <laughs> yeah I'm just kidding that's definitely not true uh-huh. um yeah so I'm a little what you're a little, oh oh dragon yeah, you dragon Eric. Yeah, <laughs> I am dragging. Oh, okay. Why? What's your excuse? I'm just I'm I'm tired. Life is getting busy, and this past week, I was a I was a stay at home solo dad all week because mm-hmm. my wife was in California. Yeah, for the whole week while well, she left Monday, she took Noah, our our youngest, our two month old. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had the girls all by myself Monday through Saturday when she came home. And man, it is a lot harder being a solo parent than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it is tiring. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, my wife Lauren has been in uh, grad school. She actually just graduated and passed the NCLEX. So, congratulations to mm-hmm. Lauren. She's worked her tail off. I've ne- it's ridiculous how much stuff she would have to go through. But anyways, just with her being in grad school meant that she was studying and working and doing a whole lot of things, and it takes up a lot of time. So there were a lot of times when I would just have Camden by myself for a day, and just one day it'd be like, oh my gosh, this is this is exhausting. You just want you just want like adult human interaction. Yeah, it's like tired of talking about the same thing. And my daughter was at VBS all week. Uh huh. And so all she wants to listen to now are those stupid VBS songs. <laughs> so I've heard them. Yeah, I've heard them at least five times every day since Monday. <laughs> I listen. I listen to them three. I listen to them three times today. We're recording this at two thirty. Yeah, I've listened three times already. Yeah, yep, I believe so, that. It it is crazy. But I remember when um, when I became ordained. Actually, the same year that you did, Eric. Um, but uh, it was also the same. How long year. did it take you to get ordained? How many years? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. After you got know. your district license. A long, longer than you. Yeah, mine was three. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Continue. Yeah, I took my time. <laughs> uh, but uh, so when I did get ordained, I remember being in the I'm interview. holier than you, is, wow. which, is why, wow. which is why I got it so wow. much faster. I remember being, they saw me and said, yep, you're ordained. That's not what happened. <laughs> but I remember being in the interview process to, to receive my ordination, and it was the same year that we were starting City on a Hill, and when they were interviewing, and also Lauren was pregnant. And also, Lauren was in grad school. So, like, it was a crazy year in 2016. And so, I remember when they were um, when they were interviewing me, and they were like, okay, so let me get this straight. You're planting a church, your wife is pregnant, and your wife is in grad school. Are you sure you know what you're doing? I remember being like, oh, my goodness, this is, they're right. But And the one thing that they said to me. You did not plan it very well. No, no. <laughs> one thing that they said, and when they interviewed me, this was like maybe a month before City on a Hill started. Um, no, actually... Uh, yeah, yeah, it was like a month before City on the Hill started, and one pastor said to me, he said, hey, just so you know that having a kid is going to be way more difficult than you planting a church. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> I, I was in the church planting process, yeah. and it was one of the hardest 
things that I've ever done in my life. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, having a kid and being a dad is way more difficult. And he was right. Yeah. It absolutely is. It is extremely challenging. So it just makes you think of like single parents, single moms and dads out there who are dealing with their kids. Oh, wow. That is a, it's, it's it's a job in and of itself. I know. We, um, I, I'm in, I'm in the process of planning a church, and we just had our third kid. So going from two to three was our hardest transition. As w- and while we're also planning a church and doing all that stuff, so it made it even even harder in the whole process. But there's a couple like there's a there's a girl who's she's not a single mom that goes to our church, but um, her husband is a police officer, so he's always mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. working night shift or whatever. So he's always in that, and she has four kids. Oh, all of wow. them are six or and under. Yeah, because um, she has two twins, and and she brings them to all this stuff. And every time we're like, I can't believe you bring like, and she's on time to things. Yeah, that's she's always crazy. on time. We have lunch. I mean, she's there on time with all four kids. I'm like, how? I don't know how you do it. Yeah, because I had them for five days, and I thought I was gonna, I was going nuts <laughs> by the end. We watched like one night. We watched like uh, some kids. Brooklyn is just like me. Where I like to show people things, yeah. Like if I see a movie or a show that I really like, then I like to watch other people to be like, "Look, I like this. I want to. I want you to experience this with me." Mm-hmm. Brooklyn's the same way. And so there's one night that we had. It was just like daddy daughter day, and we I made pizza for them, and then we had ice cream, and then uh, we um, then we uh, went to my room and we slept in my bed, and we watched a movie on my bed, and. I was like, whatever movie you want, on. like literally anything. And I always literally anything. I said any movie you want. Whether you want to watch Jaws, then I would have said yes, I guess, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a man of my word. Um, but normally, when we would try to watch movies, I go, oh, "What do you want to watch? Like Ant Man? <laughs> like I suggest movies that yeah. I want to watch." Um, she was like, anything you want. And she's like, I want to watch Leap, which is some ballerina movie. <laughs> I was like, okay. That really backfired. I know. It actually wasn't that bad, but she just loved showing it to me. Yeah. Uh, but hey, Brooklyn, come here. Brooklyn, come here. Hey, come here. Hold on. Remember, uh, remember the movie we watched called Leap? Yes. Um, can you tell everybody what it's about? What's Leap about? A ballerina. Maybe her goes to a ballet. That's right. Nice. Did, and what does she do at the ballet? What does she do at the ballet? Her want to come in the ballet, but the person's... Um, don't make her come in. Exactly. So that's what we watch. <laughs> riveting. Riveting. So, all right, Brooklyn. Thanks, see, Brooklyn. See you see later. <laughs> and off she goes. <laughs> yep, and off she goes. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, that was my week, but... It is um, exhausting. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but uh, I started listening to a new podcast. Actually, one you suggested yeah, this week. Yeah, yeah. Th- and this is a podcast that... Um, We're uh, podcast people. Yeah. Not, I, well, not only do we record podcasts, yeah. but... But how many different podcasts you listen to? We, I know we've mentioned this before, but I listen to a lot of sports ones. Um, the the I, whenever a certain whenever a sports podcast, a new one comes out that I like listening to, like Be More Opinionated or a Ravens podcast. And since we're Baltimore guys, I listen to them immediately because they're time sensitive. Yeah, if you don't listen to a sports podcast within the first five days, it's then over, yeah. it's then the news has changed and it's uh, you know you don't want to do it anymore. But I listen to um, uh, Reply All is a really good one that I like uh, that talks about it's a, from Gimlet Media. Really, almost anything that Gimlet Media puts out is pretty pretty good yeah. stuff. I probably have like ten to fifteen shows. Yeah. That I I am constant. There's some that I like. They're the last ones I'm going to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's about ten or fifteen that yeah. I listen to. Yeah, there's one called Hinge that I really like. That is a Christian and an atheist that 
talk that yeah, go yeah. back and forth and debate. Like I like those sort of things. But anyways, there's we've this, done there's copying art. Uh, what we do, yeah, yeah, we've done yeah, that. I'm sure that they saw what we did <laughs> and, and decided to do it way better with <laughs> experts and everything. But anyways, um, uh, so there's this new podcast from Gimlet Media called Startup, and uh, well, actually, the, that podcast isn't new. It's just a new season. They've yeah. had other seasons, and every season, and this was actually suggested to me by um, Justin Allison, who was a teenager in the youth group. Does he listen to this podcast? I don't know, but I'm going to tell we'll, him to. Well, I know no, he has. Let's find out. Oh, good. Let's just wait a week, and if he in text, he won't. So, so Justin, if you're listening, then yeah. you need to text either know, one of us. I know he has it before. Okay, but, well, uh, we're going to find out. Yeah, so we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> um, but anyways, he texted me and was like, hey, there's Startup is doing a new season, and it's all about church planting. So obviously, we both have an interest in church planting because we are both church planters. And I was like, oh, sweet. Let me check this out. It's only been two episodes. Um, There's going to be one episode a week. And uh, the second episode is out. This is Monday. Um, and the second episode came out last Thursday or something like that. And um, it is really, really, really interesting because it is from they, it is from a, a Christian who is a, the one that is the host, but it's not from a Christian perspective. It's this is not a Christian podcast or anything like that. Um, Gimlet Media is not a Christian organization, but this is all about church planting, and it's given it, it is talking about it and for, for someone who has no idea about church planting or or that it even exists. Yeah. So it gives some really 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 good insight, and it follows um, a, this church for six months. Uh, that was that that was a church plant and everything that they've experienced and that they've gone through and just the first two episodes alone listening to it there's so much that I can relate to and then there are also things that I'm learning where I'm like oh I didn't experience that that's new to me that's different I don't know anything about this that they're talking about and and you get to learn about the different processes but the one thing that stood out to me in the first episode um was this church that started with like 150 people the first week and you're about to launch in September September 16th. 16th. So you're about to experience this. But um, And you know this as as a church planter. You know that your first week, the numbers are going to be higher than after that because it's your launch week. There's going to be friends and family there to support you. People from other churches are going to come just to root you on and all this sort of thing. Yeah, well-wishers. Yeah, well-wishers. And then they're going to be gone. And so that's exactly what this church experienced. Like their first Sunday was like 150 people. And then right after that, it was down to like 60, which is exactly the numbers that we had when we started. Like 150 people to start. And then it was like 60. And then you have to build your way up from there. But it can be discouraging and almost uh, you know weird and awkward at times when there are are less and less people. But this this podcast really gives some good insight as to what it's like to be a church planter. So I thought that it would be interesting if we, or we thought it'd be interesting if we kind of talked about just the experience that we had in church planting. And, and we talked about church planting before. Um, we haven't talked about our like, personal stories. Yeah, like the really... The whole... The details of yeah, it the journey, sort of things. The journey of everything. Because even though we're both church planners, we're both pastors, and honestly, we kind of agree a lot on this podcast too. So mm-hmm. we, the, our, our journey for planning a church has been complete opposites yeah. of, of how it, it worked out. And with it came different challenges and different things that, that were good. Um so why why don't we just want you you want to start with how you got yeah, started yeah, like our model yeah so well first off I mean, we've kind of covered this a little bit but some people that li- that listen don't um, understand why people do church planning especially yeah. depending on where you're listening uh, if you're like listening in, in like Texas or some of those areas that they have mm-hmm. tons of churches they're like why do people plant churches yeah we're in an area that needs more churches mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. um, church planning is starting to become a little uh, more popular and the reason why is because a lot of 
older churches are are dying yep. uh, because they're not staying up to date with with um, the way they present the message. Mm-hmm. And so when newer churches come, they they reach the uh, the Barna group says that new church plants reach. 68% of new members at that church are people that never went to church before. Yeah. And that they do yeah. that's out of necessity because you need new people. Mm-hmm. Um, where if you've been at church for 10 years or more, then 90% of the new people that come to your church are from other churches. So that's yeah. not winning. That's right. not actually helping um, when it kingdom. comes to the kingdom. That's yeah. just transferring people. Right. So right. Um, that's why church planning is so crucial and important, especially in areas that are high unchurched people. And especially... Listen to a whole podcast on this too about generation generation Z will be the first generation that is mostly post church, yeah. where they're not. It's not that they are. Um, and this is a Kerry Newoff podcast. I think one of the most recent ones. You want to hear more details about it? Can't remember the interview he did. Um, but most of the people that that will be in Generation Z, they aren't opposed to Christianity. They are just nothing to Christianity. Mm-hmm. They they blump that with everything else. So they the so there there's opportunity there because people are interested in hearing about it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but they're not interested in joining it there's there's like nothing oh yeah. yeah you're christian okay whatever like you can do whatever you want very tolerant yeah but it's gonna be the first generation that is mostly that way um we it feels like we're in a post-church yeah all, all stuff, but we're really not well part of the problem with um you know a lot of uh you know, we're, we're millennials and part of this new generation and everything like that is that um, people have become extremely tolerant, which is, which is good. I, I believe that it is good to be tolerant of one another, but at the same time, it's to the point where we're so tolerant that, that sometimes we don't stand for anything uh, because we are accepting of everything. Yeah. And now don't, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I believe that we should be accepting and tolerant, but we should also believe in something. Um, yeah, and, everyone has their own truth now. Yeah, which that's the, that's the thing. There's People no are just making truth. their own religion. Yeah, um, which is arrogant in a lot of ways. Uh, but I also understand the thought process behind it in a lot of ways. And yeah, it came from people were saying we should force the religion on other people, mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm. Which I get that. And then people have different experiences. We want to make sure we're we are, we're empathetic to mm-hmm. them. Yeah. But now it's turned into okay. Well, if that's how you feel, then that's fact for you. Yeah. yeah. And then this is fact for me, and it is not. There there are things called facts and yeah. truth. So um, that we're every time every I think every generation kind of leans one way. Yeah. And there's good things out of it and bad, and that's kind of the bad out of it mm-hmm. is everyone has their own truth and no one has a solid truth. Yeah. 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 And uh, but anyway, that that's a whole another topic. So when it came to Church planting. I came from um, from a church of about seven hundred people ish around there, um, average on a weekend attendance. So, so a good sized church. That, um, that was church we went to as a as, as teenagers. Teenagers. Yeah. We just and we were the the cool kids of that youth group. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. We just ran that youth group. Uh, goodness, uh, don't deny it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> we were. <laughs> we were. No. I mean, us us bragging about being the cool kids of youth group is not a good thing. To, is not. Like, yeah. Everyone's like, why are you bragging about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we weren't that in high school. No, no, not at all. I was not popular in high school. When I went to youth group, I ran that show. Yeah, yeah, okay. So anyways, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so this, this church is, is, is a good-sized church, um, especially for this area in the mid-Atlantic area, Baltimore, Maryland, D.C., you know, area there. Um, there are definitely larger churches, but it's a decent, it's a good sized church. It's above average, that's for sure. Well, yeah. the average is like I don't know what sixty people or something yeah, like that yeah. in a church. It's the really national low. average. I mean, yeah. the national average. But um, so it's 
it's, so it's, 700 is a very good size yeah, church. Yeah, it's a good size church for sure. But the cool part about that church, and this is, we're talking about Crossroads Church, which is in Ellicott City. If you ever want to check them out, it's a really good place. But um, after you check out City on a Hill, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you can but, cro- but wait, way there. before you check out Impact. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Impact, you'll get to it. But um, no, I'm just kidding. They are all great churches. So this is a church that has decided that, um, that instead of doing campuses or satellites, which is nothing wrong with that either, it's just a different model. If you don't know what we're talking about, a satellite church is one that has multiple campuses, but they are all doing the same thing. And a lot of times there's a campus pastor at a separate location. So you have the main campus uh-huh. and then there may be another one like 20, 30 miles away. Yep. Um, and there's a campus pastor there who sometimes preaches, but most of the time it's a live worship band and then a screen with the pastor preaching from the main campus. Yep. So it's still considered like city on a hill south is what, you know, yep. or whatever yep. church it is. So. Are you told when you say you had this much attendance on that on a week? Like Craig Rochelle, he has um, they have like twenty some yeah, campuses. Those all those mega churches have multiple. Yeah, campuses. so they're they're the biggest church in America. They have mm-hmm. like a hundred thousand that come on a weekend yeah, or something. But it's like not that. in one building. Not in one building. Obviously, it's it's all those campuses combined are a hundred thousand. Yeah. But that, that, and those numbers should count. They they are yeah. that's their church. So that it, it's not like they're lying about their numbers. But um, so that's what a satellite church is. Um, church planting is different in the sense of this is its own its own will be its own separate run church and organization that's the idea behind church planting now i came from the model of um uh, with crossroads that was the mother church and willing to invest entirely and plant us on our own by their by themselves so what does that mean so Crossroads had planted, we are the third church plant from them. Um, and uh, each church, they got to a place where they, uh, the, the lead pastor, Pastor Kevin Hardy, decided that he was going to invest in a specific leader and a specific pastor who was going to be the lead pastor of this church plant. And that person then was in charge of recruiting a launch team, recruiting staff, volunteers, whatever it may be, to, to form this team of people that would then go out and start a church in a separate location. Um, and Crossroads completely funded it entirely. So startup costs, purchasing, you know, sound equipment, uh, children ministry things, greeting team, all, all the so anything that you need for a church plant, Crossroads funded it 100 percent for yeah. for me, and then also paid all of our bills for the entire first year of us going. Yeah. So we were still considered underneath of Crossroads for our first year, even though Pastor Kevin gave me the freedom to run City on a Hill as I saw fit. Yeah. Um, but I answered to him. Yeah, uh, on things, but he he's he was not a micromanager and allowed me and gave me the freedom to do what I wanted to do. Now I still bounce ideas off him all the time and still do because he he's my mentor. But um, they funded us entirely for the first year, so that means that all of our tithe and offering that we brought in in the first year, we were able to just stash away in a bank account that we didn't even touch, Yeah, which is an awesome, awesome, awesome way of doing it. So our first year of ministry, I didn't have to think twice about money. Yeah, which yeah. is unusual. You just worry about growing a church. Yeah, you just focus on relationships and ministry and yeah. you know what you're doing. And I, there was never a time in the first year where I was like, oh no, do we have enough money to open the doors next week? You know, to pay our rent and my salary, all those sort of things. How many people did you have when you launched? When we launched, our, our launch team was about 35, 30 to thirty-five people yeah. around there. Um, and when we first started, our first Sunday was about 150, and then it dropped after that. Our regular attendance was about 60 to 70 people a week. Yeah. And then it grew um, to over 100. And are, you, are you talking just adults? No, adults I'm talking and adults and kids. Okay. 
Um, and then it grew to uh, about 130-ish yeah. with kids. Um, and now we're kind of back down to about 100, 110, depending on the week. Yeah, yeah. Um, around there. So we're, we're about a church of 100 people, yeah, including kids um, currently. So we, we have grown, um, but we, we experienced quick growth in the beginning, mm-hmm. and then you kind of plateau a little bit after the newness is worn off. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where we're at now where we're trying to figure out what the next step is. But the model that we took is a mother church they are the only ones who have invested in us resources and those sort of things. Even the other people encouraged and other churches encouraged, but we came no one from crossroads. Correct. Financially or yeah. whatever else. Yeah. So. Now your model's different. Yeah. My model's, well, so I, I talked to my pastor about what, about feeling like I was called to plant a church for a while. I was wrestling with what I was called to do. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if I was called to like work with you and like, co-lead pastor with you yeah. we, we had bounced that idea yeah i was hoping that would be the case so i could be your boss <laughs> yeah i would never do it as you were my boss <laughs> so we would just i would do it with you uh-huh. as long as we were equal <laughs> but um but yeah that was more of a selfish idea not a, like a, yeah that um, wasn't a kingdom idea that was a so instead we did this podcast yeah, and yeah. we realized <laughs> that that would have been a huge mistake. <laughs> so um, once I felt like, you know, I think God's called me to plant church, um, I got a call um, about from another church that was going to um, be our mother church and do the same kind of model that you mm-hmm. did and fully plan us, fully fund us, all that stuff. And it was the first time I was like, oh man, God is really answering this call. So um, we made plans in September of last year, I was going to start working there full time at that church uh, around September, October, or something like that. But that church is going to fully fund it, just like you and everything like that. Uh, but then that that pastor around August, um, he answered a, a call to take another job somewhere else, and so um, he followed what God called him to do. And so with, when he did that, it resulted in my plan obviously falling apart mm-hmm. because. Um, this new church, this church just lost their pastor. Yeah, they, so now they, they have some. They have a lot of work. Now they're not also going to try to bring me on on staff because when you lose a pastor, you lose people most mm-hmm. of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, attendance goes down, all that, all that stuff. And when you're trying to figure out that transition, which is tough, you can't also be trying to plant a church. We wouldn't have successfully planted um, yeah. in a year if we planted with that church. But what sucked for my wife and I is I had no job in September. Yeah, <laughs> with no prospects of a job. Yeah, and. Uh, we were playing a church, and we, after months of praying about it, we still felt like God was calling us to plant the church. We just had no clue how. And your wife was pregnant. Yeah, yeah, which is cheap. Kid. Which is cheap. Yeah, yeah. So bargain deal. Yeah. So we're trying to. Our prayer became, all right, God, if you want us to plant this church, then you need to show up. So um, I had to raise ten thousand dollars personally mm-hmm. um, by the end of October in order for this to be something that we actually thought we could do if I couldn't raise that money then I had to find a job and then yeah. I have to try to plan a church while I'm working another job while I have three kids while I try to keep a wife which would have been very 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 hard mm-hmm. um, all those things are hard in and of themselves yeah so um, I had to raise ten thousand dollars by the end of October and um, we were actually able to raise, and I say I, but I don't. I really don't think it was it was me because I didn't do. I sent letters and I made some calls and prayed hard that it would happen. And we were supposed to have two months to do it, and we we started two weeks before October ended because we needed someone to collect the money, and we know we had could get anyone to do it. Yeah. So we're like, okay, now we have two weeks to raise ten thousand dollars. This is impossible. Um, and we raised close to thirty thousand. Yeah. So that was the first time that in months that. From it was months of disappointment, months of God, where are you? Is this really what we want us to do? And that turned into all right, 
you're still in this. Mm-hmm. Let's get going. So since then, I'm not. We're not a church plant off of one church. We're a church plant off of 14 churches mm-hmm. that have all decided to contribute. You guys being one of them. Mm-hmm. I'm Crossroads being one of them mm-hmm. to contribute in some fashion. Everyone with little pieces here or there. Uh, the old churches go to connections. Another one of them. Um, and from there, I've been trying to build our team. So um, I've been. I've thought about networks before. Do you know anything about like joining a network, a church planning network? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I I don't have any experience with it, but yeah, yeah. I know about it. I thought about doing that. Because explain what that is. So basically here's what it really is. Denominations, they mm-hmm. used to be they, they're basically networks, is what denominations are. Mm-hmm. That's how at least they started. The original intent of a denomination was to have a joint network where you have people that are in common with you with your common same beliefs and theology that you can you can support have support each other, yeah, and work together. It kind of turned into I'm right, you're wrong mm-hmm. kind of thing. Well, you're not Baptist, I'm I'm Methodist, so you're yeah. wrong in, in your thinking, and it became fights because we like to fight. Yeah, um, and I think it's slowly coming back to network. Mm-hmm. So, what these networks are, most of the time, it's for people that are planning a church, and a lot of times, if you're a non-denominational church that's planning, um, you need some kind of financial support. So, a network will mm-hmm. do that for you. There's so many of them, like mm-hmm. you can name them. Um, but yeah, so when I started, like there was a bunch of networks that reached out to me, and I got, I took some meetings with them. And they would contribute a certain amount, um, and it was a good amount of money. They would they would help fund for the first three years. Um, you have to give a uh, give back portion, which all denominations you have to give back. Um, it's just kind of how same way um, Christians should tithe. The churches also tithe. To well, something. that's that's how denominations survive, and because there are there are people who work for the denomination that are not a part of a church that aren't aren't a pastor, but you need like a district superintendent, and you need district staff. To support the local churches, yeah, and if and if those churches, local churches, do not tithe to the district, then there is no money to have district superintendent and those sort of staff to help the churches. So it all works together, yeah, in the long run. Yeah. So what what was weird about those networks is some of them, not all of them, but some of them, it felt like I was in Shark Tank when I had those meetings. <laughs> like I yeah. had to give my pitch. Uh-huh. I had to say, here's what we're going to do. Here's why we're going to plant here. Here's like some of the, you you have all the stats of why that location is a good location and some of the things you're planning on doing and your strategies and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And then they tell you, they'll give you this much money, but they want this much back, just like Shark Tank. Yeah. We'll do this, but 8% for the rest of your life comes back to us, Yeah, which which is which is normal. Um, and some churches, it really felt like Shark Tank. Other other church planting pl- uh, places, that percentage of back... Yeah, the networks. Those percentage you give back, they all now give to other churches, church plants. Mm. So there's some. So that it's I like a way that, that yeah, that's kind of cool because then you are having a pl- uh, having a hand in more church plants. Yeah, which yeah. is a good thing. The reason why I didn't go with the network is because we were part of a nomination already, mm-hmm. so we already give a certain amount back to that. And there's certain ways that um, we have to make sure we do ministry and things like that. It's not super constrained with us really yeah. at all. Um, they kind of. Are open to you're talking about the denomination, yeah. Our yeah. our church Nazarene, um, at least our district is pretty open to what we're doing, yep. and how to reach people. So, um, but these other ones, it's not you like have we're doing to, anything crazy. I mean, I we, you should see what we're gonna do. Yeah, also. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but these these uh, these networks, they you have to have certain things you have to do, like 
if you ever been to a church that's communion every week, that's a network thing. Mm-hmm. You have to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's yeah. no option for that. So there's certain things like that that I don't want to be constrained in by, at all. Yeah. So I already have our church Nazarene, which I, I trust very much. Mm-hmm. So I don't want. I don't want to have another one. Yeah, and yeah, I don't yeah. want to give more. But I couldn't give like 25 percent of money came in to something else. It's not a good stewardship of right, the money right. being brought in. So. Yeah. So if you've never been a part of a church plant before, I know many people have, and um, uh, but or may, may, many people are right now um, listening who who are currently a part of one. And, you know, everyone is different because all the experiences are different. But uh, let's talk about some of the challenges of just being a church plant. Now, I know you haven't launched yet, but you were a part of a church plant as a youth pastor. So, so you've also yep. experienced And we've it. had lots of challenges even before. We, yeah, yeah. But like, we're launching in two months, so it's like we're yeah, there. Like week-to-week sort of stuff and, and the differences of being a church plant versus being an established church of like 100 years or more um, throughout, throughout the country. Or for, you know, and like we said, we're coming from the East Coast, uh, Mid-Atlantic area where I know churches are different all over the country and all over the world. Um, but but like for us, one of the biggest challenges at, that people obviously know about is setting up and tearing down every week um, is pretty exhausting. And uh, we we both, I, I've been using this uh, thing called Church in a Box, which you were, have just recently purchased. That is a phenomenal organization that I believe that we've mentioned on here before. If you don't know anything about them, it's literally a church in a box. They fit everything that, and they make it customizable for you inside of a trailer. So it, it makes setup and tear down for a portable church extremely quick. Um, we were able to set up uh, everything in about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. That's all of church. Basically. All of church, uh, our entire church on a Sunday morning. Now, it's still not perfect because it's portable. No matter what church, it, it, any church you is portable. You ran from a school? Yeah, we ran from a school. We we're in a school cafeteria, and then we have a few classrooms that we use. And then tear down, we can tear down within 30 to 45 minutes sometimes yeah. if, we, if we have enough people. It makes it really, really, really quick. But it's still exhausting. And it, and it makes... Um, the, your your Sunday morning a lot longer, and then it also creates some difficulties where because you don't have a building to use throughout the week. Um, now there are pros and cons to owning a building because if you own one or if you have one, then you have to keep up with it throughout the week, and you have to clean it and have a yeah. cleaning company and all these sort of things that can create um, other headaches. You know, uh, it's not like problems go away when you grow; uh, they, it's just different problems. And so, but for us, since we are smaller and most church plants start off smaller and don't have a permanent location, what you have to do is you really, really, really need to focus on relationships and connecting outside of Sunday morning in people's homes, creating events, or I don't, I don't really like to use that term events, but why? Uh, well, I mean, I, I would say more so experiences, creating experiences for somebody. It's the same thing. It's same. <laughs> it, it's, yes and no, because sometimes I don't want to be an event-driven church where it's like, okay, well, it's this day of the week. I know. Or there's months there where there's, we just do this event. There's it, things that vocabulary does. Like you never talk about if a small group grows and you eventually make that one small group to two. You don't say that small group split. Yes. You say that small group multiplied. Yes. Even exactly. though it's really the same thing. Yeah. But splitting sounds bad. Yes. Multiplying sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, absolutely. There's some of that for yep. sure. Yep. So that, there's all that goes. In. But anyways, we you have to create those sort of experiences and and opportunities for people to connect and feel like they're growing. Now the cool part. This is the best part of being a part of a church plant is since I'm the only paid staff person and you're going to be the only paid person um, to start off, correct, at Impact? Yeah. So the, since we are the only paid people, 
it, obviously there are a lot of other people that run the church that help um, that volunteers commit hours and hours and hours. And what it means is it creates more opportunity for buy-in for people attending the church who have never had that opportunity before. And it creates this sense of camaraderie and these relationships that are so tight knit and so close because you went through something together that was fun, but also challenging. And, and you feel like you accomplished something together. Yeah. So that original group of people that started City on a Hill have a really close bond. Just how, like the people, how long has it been? We've been going for two and a half years. And how many people from that launch team of 30, whatever you said, are still there? Like 29. So that's actually... Maybe, sup- maybe like 25. That's actually surprisingly good yeah. because most of the time it doesn't happen that way. Yeah. Most of the time like, a lot of people leave. Yeah, most, by, of, most of our launch team is... Years. Yeah. Most of our launch team is still very involved and, and still a part of it. A few people left, and the people who left, left pretty much close to the beginning, Yeah, who are part of our launch team. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, there, we probably had like five to 10 people from our launch team who have moved on, either moved away or just decided that it wasn't for them, which is great. There's nothing wrong with that either. Um, I mean, you're you know. wrong. Yeah, you're wrong, but there's nothing <laughs> wrong with it. <laughs> just kidding. Um, we, our biggest challenge was just you, you uh, in the launch process had the security of you knew when yes. you need to buy something, you just bought it. Yep. Ours, like, we had to raise every dime. Mm-hmm. So I didn't work from September. I didn't work September, October. Well, I worked, but... You weren't getting paid. I wasn't getting paid. Well, I was getting paid through this podcast, through your patrons. <laughs> yeah. So what, $15? After, <laughs> after, call, after all of our expenses, uh-huh. it was about probably 20 bucks. <laughs> um, and then October, uh, November, December, I took, like, half of a salary. Mm-hmm. Just to... Because I, I had to meet with so many different churches. I couldn't... I I got to the point, I wrestled with it, whether it was fair for me to be taking anything from a church that hadn't even started yet. Um, I wrestled with whether I should go get a full-time job and plant the church or just plant the church. And I felt like the only way to successfully do it was just to plant it. So I did, and we were able to raise enough money by the end of the December that I was able to start taking a salary starting January. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started having like anxiety and panic attacks. Yeah. And, like, cause I, and still, like it's... This year we're good now when it comes to the financial part because I hate. First of all, I hate talking about finance when it comes oh, to it's church. So sad. I hate it. I hate raising money. Yep. Hate asking people for money. Mm-hmm. I hate all of that. Where my my whole first year was that yeah. meeting with different church uh, leaders and saying, "Here's what we're doing. Can you give us money, please? Please." Yeah. And it was tough, and I hated it. And I would meet with different launch team members, mm-hmm. and and if, when they decided they're part of the team, then they had I they said, "Now it means you have to start giving now." Like, yeah, we set that up really early so we can survive. Like. I hated every because no one likes talking about money when it comes to church. Yeah, everyone hates it. it well, feels, I shouldn't say nobody. There, well, there are some <laughs> churches that love to talk about money. Yeah, how, how run, run from those. Churches. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just icky. Like I don't know. It does, it's like, <laughs> you know, it feels weird talk. Like yeah, they're the two things that I hate preaching about the most, or just talking about the most uh, at a church is money and sex. I don't like talking about either of those things. It's not fun. I talk. I like talking about one of them. Yeah. I'm just kidding. We can all guess which one. <laughs> well, what's weird? We neither of us like talking about money. Most churches don't like talking about money. But why did Jesus talk about it the most then? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I think. Why do you think we're so scared to talk about it? Because a lot of times, when what people associate when churches talking about are talking about money, they're asking you to give more um, to to the church. And when Jesus talked about money, it was about how it shouldn't be your God. Uh, you shouldn't focus solely on money. And that's what churches should be doing. And that's what we do, but why do we hate talking about it still? Because it's still just uncomfortable. 
But it's something I don't know if it's like an insecurity from us because it, it, it seems self-serving. That's that's the hard part for me. Yeah, because yeah. I get a salary. Yeah, Jesus Jesus didn't take a salary when people gave. Yeah, money. Um, and Paul talked about that too. Paul wouldn't take money yeah. when he was going to different churches. He didn't say that there was anything wrong with it. He just said for him, he didn't want there to be any stumbling block whatsoever. For people, that's also why he didn't get married. Yeah, um, you know, he didn't want there to be any sort of thing holding him back. So, I mean, Paul was one of a kind. <laughs> he was a he was a different different sort of a guy. And but, anyways, that's that's a whole nother because I always I wrestle with that sometimes because I know Jesus talked about it so much. He talked about that more than anything. Yeah. Um, but yet we hate talking about it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, well, if we know how we should talk about it and how many people are crippled because of their financial de- mm-hmm. decisions, mm-hmm. most people in America live 110. percent Yeah. To their capacity, so yeah. they they live in debt. Well, yeah. So, well, and I think that I hate talking about it because a lot of times you, I hear it time and time and time again. Well, I left that church because all they did was talk about money. Like that's what people say, and I think yeah. that that is a can be a selfish thing and a sinful yeah. attitude at times. Maybe not always. I I don't know every case, but I think probably more times than not, that's a sinful attitude of well, I just didn't want to give my money. Yeah. You know. Um. But. It, I, I don't know. Most, it's just not fun. Most of the time when I find that people get really mad when a s- church talks about money, and I think church should talk about money not just as in you need to tithe, but actually how to live a generous yes, that's lifestyle. that's the way that you should talk about That's money. how Jesus talked about yep. it. Um, so I think I, I always find it funny when people like get mad, and some people listening might even be thinking this too, like get mad at their church because they always talk about money and always talk about how you need to give. And then uh, the people that would wouldn't be giving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> be like, you're not mad at me. You're mad at the Holy Spirit convicting right, you, right? Because right, right. you know what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. Now, we're I'm I'm of the mindset of I understand the Bible talks about ten percent, but we're in a culture where asking people to give ten percent of their money from the first time. Imagine somebody that meets Jesus for the first time when they're 35, mm-hmm. has three kids, barely can pay anything. Hey, now you're going to church. You met Jesus. Now give ten percent of your money. He'd be like, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm the the of the camp of uh, priority percentage giving, mm-hmm. whatever that starts out as, and I think it should progress. But if you can only start out at 1%, you make that 1% your priority. You always give your 1%. And then as you grow and as you make more and you figure out ways to adjust, you pay debts off, then you raise it to 2%, 3%. Mm-hmm. And when you get 10%, I don't think that's the cap. I think you should keep going Yeah, if you but, can. Yeah, But I also believe that, that a person... Um, can do 10% too. Like I, I think I, I agree with you with like, if they go from the mindset of, and now this is turned into a money topic. But <laughs> if you go from the people mindset, have already clicked it off. Yeah, <laughs> if people go from it, they're like, Oh, that podcast only talks about money. <laughs> but if, uh, if a person goes from a mindset of not knowing Jesus and then knowing Jesus, it does seem like a lot. And it does seem like what I need to now just give away 10% of my money at all times. But I also believe that if that happens for a person and if a person has a faith to do that, um, and with the right motives, because that is obviously key to giving that God blesses people and, and it may not be financially, you know, maybe in so many other ways. Um, but I, I don't think that it's necessarily a sin for a first time Christian to say, uh, let me just figure some things out first. You know, I think that they're yeah, progressing. I just think, I just think- Asking someone to go from zero to ten percent is almost impossible for some people that are brand new Christians. Like, be able to adjust that in their budget. So, I think we should make a little bit of a ramp mm-hmm. for them, mm-hmm. and just tell them it's okay. Like, yeah. we understand. Yeah, I agree. You are in debt or whatever else too. Like, now you need to self reflect, mm-hmm. and because I do, I don't think you should stay at one percent forever. Mm-hmm. If you're only giving one percent, then biblically, yes. and and you know you're gonna be giving more than 
I mean, don't get mad at us. The Bible talks talks about it. If you give more, you should you should be doing that. Yeah. But I just think too often churches say, well, now, now you got to give 10%. And people are like, I can't, are you crazy? I can't yeah. give 10%. I can, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Right. For those people, it's like, you find a percentage you can start giving mm-hmm. and and do that. Mm-hmm. And eventually you will grow in it. Because it's just, I, I just think, think that that's a fine line because that can also then give somebody the, the wrong idea as well. I think you just talk about both. There's yeah, I think you should talk about both. both. I, I just don't want to be like, oh, you know, you don't actually have to do this because this is something that is biblical, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that... But you know, not everything, nothing's black and white. Of course, of course. Uh, nothing is black and white. But I also think that we should also believe in God to do something bigger, you know? And, and I think that if we give, if we're constantly just saying, well, you know, just focus on this, just start small. And, and we should start small many times. But I just don't think that you, you, you said that um, it's almost impossible for a person. I don't think anything's impossible with God. Um, but that's you're talking. If there's people, and if we, we didn't even want to talk about this, but let's, mm. let's, let's still talk about it a little bit. There's people that are, are living with major student debt, major different debts, are living paycheck to paycheck, can barely mm. do anything. Asking them to give 10% I, is, is tough to do. In their eyes. Period. It's tough to do. Yes, but I also believe that if a person is faithful, no matter their financial situation, I believe that God is big enough to bless people. Now, if someone, I I agree with that, but I'm talking about people that are brand new Christians, just yeah. now started in their walk. Yeah, and and I think for us as leaders to say you have to give ten, well, and that's that. it. I know, but I'm saying we need to be able to adjust for every different circumstance. Yes. If you've been a Christian for 10, 15, 20 years, mm-hmm. and you've never adjusted, mm-hmm. you got to look at what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm saying there's people that are brand new baby Christians that are just now walking in faith and are trying to figure it out, and now they're, they have not fully surrendered everything. Mm-hmm. Like there's, we, we believe in sanctification is the word for when you fully surrender. For people that have just met Jesus for the first time, but they have yeah. not fully surrendered everything, they, have, they haven't surrendered the finance thing, mm-hmm. then I would tell them, give a percentage and make it a priority. Yeah. And as you grow, yeah. we need to work on that and get, and, and we'll keep talking about 10% because the Bible, New Testament, actually, most of the time talks more than 10%. Yeah. yeah. So, um, well, and it's, it is case, it's case by case. And I believe that but God blesses and all that stuff. I just wouldn't box myself into saying, okay, you're a new Christian, then 10% is not for you. I, I think that it's important to say, you know what? This is what God says that that we should do eventually. And if you feel like that's something that, and you're all in, and you want, and I realize you're talking to people who may not be all in, and yeah. they're just kind of dipping their toes in the water. I get that. Uh, money should not be the first thing that we should address with that person. But I also think that no matter where anybody is at, if it's their first time at church and they just give their life over to Jesus Christ and they decide I want to give ten percent to God, I believe that God will bless any and every situation. I agree with that. So I, I obviously do. We're with arguing that. the same thing. We're I just I, don't when want I was, to think of God too small, is what I'm saying. When I wasn't working, we were still tithing, mm-hmm. and even though yep. I didn't have the money, and we made it at the end of December, and I really don't know how. Some churches yeah. blessed us randomly. We got random checks in the mail here yep. and there, and I think that's that's a way that God blesses mm-hmm. people and, and provides mm-hmm. when we feel like we can't be provided for. That's the only thing then the Bible that God says, test me in. Yeah. Test me in when it comes to money yeah. and see what happens. But anyways, so we talk about money long enough. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so the, the biggest challenge is uncertainty Yeah. because we didn't have a... Mm-hmm. If we fell apart, we were done. Mm-hmm. Like there was, there was a bunch of churches that would help here or there, but there was no church that could fully fund us like like you but looking back now 
which was the hardest time of my life, September to December, my wife, same thing. She had, she, she even, I'm more of a, it'll work out. Even though I was terrified, she's more of a, we need to like, how does it work? And yeah, that, that stuff. Looking back on it now, it has, I'm, I'm glad that it turned out the way it did. And I would not have changed it at all. The journey that we have has put me in this position is, and it's really made me a different leader and helped me grow and trust God more because God showed up. Um, I've never really had situations where I really had to rely on God. Like I, I, I have, but like when I was desperate and had nothing, Yeah. like it's easy to say I rely on God when I was doing well and I have great parents that pay for stuff and I didn't have to like that mm-hmm. stuff. I never was in a situation where I was solely like, God, I don't know how this is going to work. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to make pay my bills. Like right, right, right. we luckily had savings and things like that. Mm-hmm. That was the first time that it showed that if the first time that I felt like I was at my lowest and I was able to trust and he got us through somehow. So w- why wouldn't I trust God next time when something yeah. happens and when I'm getting closer and we're hoping for more people to be on the launch team mm-hmm. than we have right now, or we're not sure how launch should, why wouldn't I trust that God's going to show up? Cause he already has yeah. months ago. So yeah, yeah. that's been the, that my challenge was also the best part of it too, yeah. is it, my faith has grown because of this experience. So yeah. what's well, been the best part? Um, I think that the, the best part is just similar to what you're saying about being along for the ride and being a part of the journey and, and being able to try things and, and realize either that didn't really work as well as we thought or, hey, that was really fun. Like the, it, it is really, really a cool experience to get new people involved, work with new people, um, experience new things with different people and see how it turns out. Um, I, I have developed some of the best friendships and relationships that, that I could have ever imagined with people that I never would have had that opportunity to if I didn't plant City on a Hill. Like, even just, it's it's crazy how, it, this, and this will be the case for you when you start, but when when before you launch, you don't know who is all of a sudden going to find a relationship with Jesus Christ in your church that you have no idea that that person even exists right at this moment. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I think of I think of multiple people who their lives have been changed because of what Jesus and what God has been doing at City on a Hill. And that wouldn't have happened or maybe it would have happened in a different way. Um, there, there's, uh, there's one guy in particular that I'm thinking about who's part of our worship team and I didn't ask if I talked about him, so I won't say his name, but, um, uh, he, he joined, he's a part of our worship team now who came and has had a, has had a past with drugs and being a, going through addiction and all these different things. And he gave his life over to Jesus Christ and was baptized, gave his testimony in front of the entire church. And it's up there on stage worshiping, um, about every other week. And every time I talk to him, he says, I'm never leaving this place. I don't care what happens. I don't care what, what goes on in my life. And I've been able to go out and get coffee with him and go and get food with him and get yeah. to know him a little bit better and, and experience life with this guy who I didn't even know this person was even alive two years ago. And now all of a sudden, I see his life change in front of my eyes. Yeah. That is why you are a pastor. That is why you work in ministry. That's why you volunteer in kids' ministry or in youth group or on the worship team to see people change their lives from better to uh, from worse to better because of what Jesus is doing and because of your obedience exactly that that is everything with church planting and everything with working in churches yeah when when people reach learn more about Jesus grow in Jesus and, and meet Jesus for the first time through our ministries it's obviously not us it's God gave us the privilege to be part of it yeah which is really what it what it is 
I don't know if like some of the situations, if, mm-hmm. if you were in a church, if that person would ever meet Jesus mm-hmm. or if they would have, but God just allowed you guys to have the privilege of doing it. Um, I think both those things happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if you're a Calvinist, you don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> Calvinists believe it was good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but we're Wesleyan, so yeah. we can believe that. <laughs> yeah. And so we hate the other one. <laughs> no, that was a I'm, joke. Yeah, calm down. Remember the network thing we were talking about earlier? <laughs> Chill, yeah. dude. Yeah. Chill, brah. But um, it's it's just so cool to be able to be a part of that and experience that. And that, and that isn't the only case in my situation. But uh, there, there will be people who will show up your first Sunday who you're like, wow, all of a sudden, like there's multiple families that came our launch Sunday that I didn't even know who they were, but somebody invited them and they came and they've stuck from the very first Sunday and they made City on a Hill their home and now they are so involved and invested and some, like I think of Jonas, for example, who's a friend of ours now, who all of a sudden is one of my best friends that I didn't even know who he was before City on the Hill started, but somebody invited him, actually his cousin Amber invited him, came, we needed a bass player, he played guitar and said, ah, I could fill in. Yeah, came, anyone can play bass. Anybody can play bass. <laughs> and, and he came in, filled in, and all of a sudden him and his wife and his son loved it and have been invested and are part of our church and now is one of my really good friends outside of church. Like that, those are the things that happen where you're like, man, that's so cool. And I'm so glad that I'm a part of a church. That's not a church plant. That's a church. Yeah. But you taking, doing all this work of everything's work, but when you are paid to go to a church that's already established, mm-hmm. you're, you didn't start from the ground up. Mm-hmm. There's a different, like, it's feel. a different mentality. Of it's thing. a different. Su- I don't know what it is. It just feels different. It's when not always the, the same. It's hunger. not. Be- it's not better. It's yeah. not anything like that because we need people to go to some of the church, especially the church that are struggling. Mm-hmm. I honestly think that's harder. Yeah, I've thought about like, what if God, like, after years of planning and back church, what if I'm supposed to go to a church that's struggling and I have to bring that back up? That's. I hope he doesn't call me to do that. I really hope he doesn't. If he does, I got to go. But man, that sounds... I'd much rather start from scratch, mm-hmm. start from nothing, yeah. and figure it out ourselves and make it look the way we want than have to adjust from years of, yeah. of things that I wouldn't have done. Now I got to... What do you it's always the, say it's that, the you, ship. that you took from um, from Mana Stanley or somebody? It's easier to start new than resurrect the dead or something like that. Oh, What's it's that saying? easier to give birth than raise yeah, the dead. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, Perry yeah. Noble line, yeah. yeah. Yep, easier to give birth than raise the dead. Uh-huh. Sometimes... We need some some of these old churches to come back to life for sure. But man, much I'm glad I'm playing a church yeah. over it. Yeah, I really am. Because there's some I have some friends that are at those old churches. You do too. Mm-hmm. And and some of the things they tell me that it's tough. Yeah, it's uh the the metaphor is like the ship, the cruise ship compared to the oh, the yeah. speedboat. Mm-hmm. So we're the speedboat, and if you want to turn left to right, that's quick turn. Boom. Yeah. If you're in a big cruise ship. That's the traditional church, and you want to make a left turn. That takes, takes some time to turn time. it, and a lot of effort, and a lot of strength to pull. And a turn lot of that patience. Thing. Yes, where we're not patient. No, Valentines are not patient <laughs> yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, no one said, "Man, you guys are patient." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's never been a compliment I've ever received. So yeah, so what I would say to people that are listening, if you are part of a church plant or as as the head planner or just part of the launch team or just new to that church, then um, thank you for what you do because. Yes. Man, we we need people to help plant churches. We need more and more churches. So keep going. And even when it sucks, and even when getting up at eight o'clock or seven o'clock and getting there and setting everything up, and you don't feel like doing it anymore, remember that what you're doing. Every time you have that feeling, mm-hmm. that is an opportunity for you to go. Man, I am still doing something crazy. I don't even want to do it, but I'm doing it because how much I want people to know Jesus for the first time. So yeah. take that as an opportunity. Man, I, this is an opportunity for me to put myself down and yeah. raise other people and up. And think about that person in your church who found Jesus because. 
because of your obedience. Yeah, I know it might be, seem like you're getting there early to set up chairs is not doing anything, but it's not. It's everything. It's not. Um, what uh, is that? What is that one story where? Um, I forget. Someone was at, at working at NASA, and the president walked through, and he was cleaning the baseboards. And the president said, "What are you doing?" And he said, "I'm putting a man on the moon," because he was helping by keeping the place clean, and he knew that they were in the process of trying to put a man on the moon. And his role was to keep the facility clean. And if the facility wasn't clean, then and it would have affected everything. Yeah. You know, so it's that same mentality of if somebody sees you set up chairs and they say at a church plant or a church and they say, what are you doing? You say, I'm leading people to Jesus. Yeah. Because you have a hand in that. Yeah. You know, you, you have a huge part in that. And think of that person who found Jesus at that church and really because of you and because of everybody else who gives their time and money and effort so that people can learn more about Jesus and, and have their lives changed. Yeah. That's what keeps you going. That stuff is gold. Yeah. That's fuel there. That's stuff you have to remember mm-hmm. and celebrate those things. Mm-hmm. And if you're a person that um, has been thinking about planning a church or thinking about that process or not sure if this is where God's leading you to 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 go in your life, then Want, then you can email us yep. and we'll answer that. We'll def, we'd love to answer that and answer any questions you may have. We haven't we didn't even talk about like how we knew we were called to do it or because yeah. we have we have we have talked like, about that before. Yeah. So um, if 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 you want more information on how you know or any of those questions, then you can email us at nymchristianpodcast at gmail dot com. So nymchristianpodcast gmail dot com. You can also go to our website nymchristianpodcast.com. Dot com. Um, there are a couple ways you can um, get a hold of us. Um, are there any other ways they can get a hold of us? Oh yeah, easy. You could find uh, you could find a, a, a nest of ostrich eggs. Crack that egg. Find the little baby ostrich. Raise it up to be, <laughs> be an its adult mo- ostrich. Be its mother. It's gonna <laughs> take a while. You, it's good. It's, <laughs> this is gonna take some effort, but raise it up to be an adult yeah, ostrich. Nurture it. Nurture it so that it knows that it's your mom. Teach it sign language, Man. and then. Write a note. <laughs> Don't use the sign language. Okay. Just write a note. So the, the sign language is a test of your patience. No, this is just this is just so you could be like it's a party trick, and then write a note and say it's a party trick. Whatever your question is, tape it to the back of that baby ostrich that is now turned into an adult. Slap it in his butt. Send it our way. We'll get it easy. <laughs> yeah, it's easy. Simple. There's Simple. no excuse. Come on, for you not sending us any questions. You or may just ask. send us an email. Or send us an email. Yeah. Go, or go to our website. Don't you your body, but if you really care, if you really care, <laughs> if you're really gonna do it, then do it. Do it. Um, and if you are part of an established church, and um, and you wish you were part of a church plant, God needs people at established churches as well. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. We're I not think, saying that established churches aren't important. We're just giving you our experience. Yeah. So I think um, church planting is kind of sexy right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, bring, and we're you, bringing sexy back. <laughs> and if you're going to be a church planter, you got to be sexy. <laughs> yep. And so that's why we felt. Do you want to know if you're called? Are you sexy? <laughs> Jump on the handwagon. <laughs> um, so, uh, <laughs> gosh, where are we going with this? Um, so, if you're part of a traditional or uh, a church, established church, um, then keep going. Um, yes. Because we need those. We need. We need, we need churches church to, plants. to keep going. <laughs> we need churches that sustain, and we need new churches. Yes. We need to keep bringing other churches, but if we keep bringing new churches and other churches keep dying, then it's not working. We mm. need more churches that are thriving. Yeah. So we need established churches to keep going as well. So, um, so yep. Yeah. Anyways, we have uh, a lot of things coming up soon. We have our 100th episode coming up really soon in like four episodes. We yeah. are going to be there really quick. Um, then we're going to take a little bit of a break because... Because um, we're tired, <laughs> we tired. Yeah, so um, after our episode, there'll be a little bit of a break. Then we'll be, but don't worry, we will be back. Mm-hmm. We'll never stop. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never ever stop. We might take long breaks, but we'll never stop. 
Uh, but anyways, um, my Brooklyn, you want to say um, bye to everybody so they can all stop listening to us talk? Go ahead. Two seconds. Thank you for listening to Not Your Mama's Christian Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a nice review. To support the podcast, you can go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash nymchristianpodcast. Music provided by The Revived. Check them out at therevivedmusic.com. Stay connected with us by liking us on Facebook and following us on Twitter and Instagram.